then our scripture reading for today is Luke 1, 39 through 56. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this greatest to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for him, and holy is his name. And his mercy is severely from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from the throne and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped to serve Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to Offspring for us, and there remains about three months and returns to her home. Yes, I always do. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, all the weeks that we had, a lot more people here, a full crowd at least, somewhat, and we couldn't get the microphone to work. And now that there's like just a few people here, Mike, you got a new microphone, it's really great. Anyone nervous? Okay. I, want, I want to start off by asking a question and also asking if Zeke, 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 can you maybe just write the last one a little bit? Um, I don't know. Oh, it's over on the light switch. It's right next to the light oh, switch. I don't use an iPad like all oh, that. Thank you, Zeke. Do you use them? Uh, no, just use them. It's whatever. Perfect. Okay. I don't use an iPad like Matt. I'm not that fancy. So mind that my script doesn't light up for me. Spiritual. Yeah, that's right. I'm more spiritual because I use paper text. Uh, I just want to start by asking, with a, with a show of hands, uh, how many of us in here can read instructions on how to do something or how to build something, and just on reading the instructions, go and do or build whatever it is. A lot of in these, like, fine, probably. And then how many of us in here really need, in order for them to do it well and do it right, uh, an example of some sort to follow or to look at in order to, to do it? I really thought a lot more people would raise their hands on the second one. I got a lot of uhs. Okay, for those of you who raise your hand on the first one, put an example help make it easier to have some sort of diagram or picture or video of seeing it done. Yes, it, it does. It helps tremendously. Uh, whatever we do, whatever we're learning how to do, whatever we're trying to do, having an example to follow always, always makes it easier. I mean, that's how we learn, even. That's the reason. Uh, so uh, when you teach biology or chemistry, you have a lab along with a lecture. Because people are going to learn a lot more when they're seeing things actually happen, when they're doing them, when they're uh, getting hands-on experience 
when they have an example of, of what that text is saying is happening, and they see it like, demonstrated in front of them, it helps them learn, helps them understand how it's happening and why it's happening, and, and they need that example in order to learn it and learn it more effectively. Uh, just this week, I was putting up a new light fixture on our porch with our old one uh, had done gone out. Yeah, I've seen it. It's really old. Like, even for it to work when it did work, you had to like wave your hand in front of it to get it to come on because it's motion sensitive. It was just a piece of junk. So I had to change it. So this week, I got a new one, and I opened up the box. Got it I was thinking, yeah, I'll just pull it down, blow the new one up. should be the same hardware or whatever. It won't take any time at all. Well, as I opened up the new light fixture, there was like a million different like metal pieces and brackets and screws and things that came out with it that I was not expecting at all. And as I took the other one off, I'm kind of like, how on earth does this thing attach up here? I mean, way more hardware than I could have ever expected to come with one light to put it up on the outside of the house. Uh, and I couldn't really figure out how it went up. So I had to go get the instruction book. But I didn't begin reading the instruction book. What did I do? I got I started flipping through looking for a picture of what they did. So that I could just hopefully not have to read anything and just look up my picture. And sure enough I did. I had the picture that everything pulled apart and you know you see where everything goes and everything. And just seeing that example, seeing how they did it and how it was supposed to be done, that was all I needed. Really split, had it up, no problem. So I want us to realize today that that it is a tremendous help for us as human beings to see things exemplified, to have an example set before us so we might learn. What I want to propose to us today uh, is that in, in Luke chapter 1 here, these verses that we're, that we're reading in Luke chapter 1, 39 through 56, what we see here demonstrated for us is an example of what a blessed believer looks like. And we see this example through Mary. She was a very young girl, and yet she, as a teenager, was more obedient and showed more humility and reverence to God than even Zechariah, who was a priest. When Zechariah received his vision from the Lord, when he was, was met by the angel of the Lord, he was actually serving the, the, uh, in the temple. That's what he was doing. He was a priest. And yet this young girl, this teenage girl, demonstrates a greater faith, a greater obedience to the Lord than even he does. For unlike Zechariah, who doubted the Lord, Whenever he said that his wife, who was barren, would have a son, Mary immediately believed what the Lord had said. And not only did she believe it, but she submitted herself to it. Look back at verse 38 with me. Verse 38. It's before our passage, but I think it's important for us to see this. Verse 38, it says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. After the angel, angel has just told her what's going to happen she demonstrates her humble submission to the will of God by saying, here I am, whatever it is you want to do, do it through me. Mary responded in a way that was mature far beyond her years. And she fully trusted in God with her entire life, even though she had full understanding of what the ramifications of this could be. So I never cease to be amazed at the ability of women to think about a million different things at one time. It's amazing to me. I'm, I'm always amazed. And all of these different things, they, they feel the emotion of every single thing that they're thinking about. Just to give you an example of this, uh, my wife, when we, were, when we were engaged to be married, um, and I don't know if you other women in the room can relate to this, but I, um, maybe the men can too, uh, but my wife had the toughest time deciding who was going to be her bridesmaids in her wedding. It was like a big deal for Kaylee. 
because she had a million different things that she was considering when deciding who was going to be her bridesmaid. Well, she said, well, if I, if I have this girl be my bridesmaid, then I, then I have to have this girl do it because we're as close of friends as they are. And she knows that, and so she would have her feelings hurt. And if I have her do it, then I really need to have her sister do it uh, because that wouldn't be fair to not have her do it. And then if I had all of them, this other one might be upset because she's thinking about a million different things. And then she's thinking about the cost. You know, can, can this girl afford to, to buy a dress? Thinking about this, thinking about that. All of these things are rolling around in Kaylee's head as she's deciding who's going to be her bridesmaids. And then I'm like, I mean, you just tell me how many you need and I'll just match them up with that number of groomsmen. No big deal. Like, it was that simple for me. I'm like, she said three. I was like, perfect. I got two brothers and a brother-in-law. We're good. It's a piece of cake. But that's the, way, that's the way women are. They think about a million different things at once. That's the way God made them. And I think one of the best ways I've ever heard this exemplified uh, was in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, uh, for you Harry Potter fans in the room. Uh, it was epitomized perfectly whenever Hermione, talking to Harry and Ron after Harry has kissed this girl and, and she cried while they were kissing, uh, Hermione explains the situation. Hermione says this, Obviously, she's feeling sad about Cedric and therefore confused about liking Harry, guilty about kissing him, conflicted because Umbridge is threatening to sack her mom from her job at the ministry and frightened of failing her owls because she's too busy worrying about everything else. And Ron's reply to that was, one person could not feel all that. They would explode. <laughs> and that's exactly the way I feel about it. I don't know how women do it, but women... But women can think through a million different things at one time and feel the brevity of all those things. They can feel the weight of it, every single thing. So I can say with certainty that Mary realized the ramifications of what this could mean. She knew what it could mean for her and Joseph. She knew what it could mean for people who maybe found out that she was pregnant before she was married. Not to mention the fact that she fully understood that there could be great challenges that come along with raising the Son of God. I mean, do you discipline the Son of God? Do you not discipline the Son of God? I, I mean, what can you ever say to him or, or do to him? You know, uh, not to mention, is God going to punish me if I do something wrong with his son? You know, I mean, there was a lot that Mary was considering, and she knew all of these things. And yet, with all of these things swirling around in her head, all these thoughts, all these worries, all these concerns, her answer is still, here I am, Lord. Use me however you see fit. Mary exhibited humble submission. The third attribute I want us to see from Mary is an outward focus. All through this song of Mary, she's been emphasizing what the birth of the Messiah will mean for her, but not only for her, but for all of, all of Israel. We see this especially in verse 54 and 55, where she says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. Mary's not just focused on herself. There's a lot of things that this is going to mean for Mary, and Mary is indeed blessed, but she realizes that what this means for the nation of Israel goes far beyond simply what it means for her, and she focused on that, not just focusing on herself. The majority of her song, in fact, has to do with God saving his people it's not a song about Mary. It's a song about God and his faithfulness to his people. She's not just thinking about herself in this situation. So the question we need to ask is, what does this look like for us in our day and age in the context that we live in? 
And I would submit to you that it looks like two different things. It manifests itself in two ways for us as believers. First, it looks like loving service and compassion to others. Just consider the words of Jesus in Matthew 25 when he says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So clearly we see there's an expectation given by Christ himself in this passage that as those who are blessed by God, we will see to the physical needs of those around us and the emotional needs of those around us. Secondly, and most importantly, is that our outward focus will manifest itself and a desire to see all people blessed the way we have been blessed. It means that we not only care for their physical needs, but we care for their spiritual needs as well. It means that we want everyone around us to know of this blessing that Mary is speaking about here in this passage. And that blessing comes only through Jesus Christ. If we look at our lives and we don't have a desire to see other people being blessed the way we have been blessed, then I would ask yourself, are you really blessed? I mean, is, are you blessed in the sight of God? Because if you are, this will be a natural outcome of that. You will desire this. And I think there's a really easy, a really easy test for this one to see, am I exhibiting an outward focus in my life? And it comes down to this. What consumes more of your prayer life? Is it concerns for yourself or is it concerns for others? Or we could say it this way. If every single one, every single thing that you prayed for came to pass, would things in the world change or would things only in your world change? That's how we can test this. That's how we know if we truly exhibit an outward focus the way Mary cared about the nation of Israel. The fourth and final attribute I want us to look at and notice for Mary is an upward focus. The overarching theme of this entire section from verse 39 to 56 is really praise and glory to God and what he has done for his nation and what he has done for Mary. Even when Elizabeth is talking to Mary, she's really praising God for what he has done. And even little baby John the Baptist in her womb, moved by the Spirit, is praising God because he knows that the Messiah has come. As Mary is singing this song, she's lifting up praise to the King of Kings, the one who has saved his people, the one who has brought redemption to his people. So this isn't a song about Mary. I know it says Mary's Magnificent or Mary's Song or whatever it says, but the reality of it is the, the subject of this song is not Mary. The subject of this song is Yahweh, Mary's God, the one who has done these miraculous things. Look at how many times she references the work of the Lord in this song. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord. He has looked on me in my humble estate. For he who is mighty has done great things, and his mercy is for those 
who fear him. He has shown strength. He has done this. He has done that. He has filled the hungry. Mary is lifting up praise and worship to the God that has given her all these things, the God that has done this for his people, the God that is going to do the work that she believes he's going to do because he's told her she's going to do it. This is not a song about Mary. Just like we sing here at church, when we sing these songs, when we sing about God adopting us, when we sing about the 10,000 reasons that we have to worship, when we sing about all these different things, we're doing the same thing that Mary has done, that Mary is doing here in this passage. This is a heart of worship being poured out to the Lord. Why do we do this, though? Why do we sing worship and praise to the Lord? Why is it so important that Mary is doing this? I mean, as you read through this, Mary's just telling God what he already knows he's doing. It's not that God needs to be reminded of what he's done. Mary doesn't sing these things to God, and he goes, Oh, yeah, I did do that. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was, that was a good one. Oh, I am going to do that. Oh, yeah. I, well, I will now that you reminded me. No, God doesn't need to know what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So why does Mary do this then? The reason she does it is because God desires, God loves our devotion and our worship and our praise. So when I get home every single day as I come home from work or school or wherever I'm coming home from, one of the best things uh, is being greeted by my dog. Sorry, Kaylee. One of the best things is that my dog is always right there, and I, I open my door, and my dog's right there, and her butt's shaking, and she's jumping up and down, and she's whimpering. She's so excited to see me. If she could talk, she'd be going, oh, he's home, he's home, he's home, because she's always so excited. And it doesn't matter if I've been gone for five days or if I've been gone for five minutes. Sometimes I go out and mow the grass and come back in, and she's like, ah, he's back. But it's so great. I love that my dog loves me, and that she shows me that affection, even though she shows it to everybody. That's beside the point. I love it, and I, I enjoy that affection and that love she shows me. And same thing with Kaylee, when she does get up off the couch and come say hey to me. It's always great. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But even thinking more than that, for those of you who are fathers in this room of, of children who are old enough to run around and talk and walk, isn't it a great feeling when you come home and those children run up to you and say, Dad, Daddy is home. And they give you that big hug and they greet you. And you get in your chair and they climb up on your lap and they just want to be with you and love on you. And, and they're just so excited to see you because they love you so much. And we love it. And we should. And if we, if earthly fathers, humans here on earth, desire that affection from our children, from our wives, from, from our husbands, from those around us, do we not think that God desires that affection from us? Not only does he desire it, but he deserves it. He is deserving of all of our worship and all of our praise and all of our affection. So this is why we worship. This is why an upward focus should be produced in the life of a believer, a life of one who is blessed by God. It should flow right out of our affection toward him. He is our focus. God is our focus. Because God is the reason that we are blessed in the first place. It's not because of any intrinsic value or any intrinsic worth that we have. In verse 42, as Elizabeth is speaking to Mary, it says this, And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth is telling Mary, You are blessed because of who is in your womb. It was not that Mary had some intrinsic value as to why she was blessed. Mary was blessed because of what God was doing through her, not because of her own value and her own worth. In Jewish custom, it was, it was customary that, or not customary, but it was 
um, just the fact that a woman was blessed based on her children. That a woman was respected, that a woman was viewed as important based on the children that she had, the children that she raised. So man, Mary was blessed. And, ex- and Elizabeth is acknowledging that. So you are blessed among women because of this baby in your womb, because of what God has done through you. In the same way, we as believers are not blessed because God looked upon us and said, boy, they are special. I'm going to bless them. He doesn't do that. He doesn't bless us because of some special intrinsic value that we have, just like that's not why Mary was blessed. Everything flows from Him. It is, we are only blessed. We are only seen as blessed. We are only described as blessed because of the work that He's done in us. Before Christ, when God looks at us, He sees us as wicked and unrighteous and His enemy. But through Christ, only then does He view us as blessed, as His, as righteous. It's just like Sean was saying earlier when he said that we are not righteous in and of ourselves. There's nothing about us that is righteous. There's nothing that we do that makes us righteous. It's only through Christ. An upward focus ought to flow naturally out of a heart of one who is blessed by God. So as we look at the example of Mary given here in Luke, as one who is blessed, we need to ask ourselves, do we have a faith like Mary's? Do we think about things that God has said are going to come to pass as though they've already happened with that kind of certainty? Do we humbly submit to the will of God the way Mary did? Or do we let our fears and our worries and our anxieties hold us back from doing what the Lord has called us to do? Do we focus more on ourselves or on the world around us? And do we end up worshiping the Lord because what He has done, outwardly focusing, but also upwardly focusing on the one who has blessed us? Because we should. Bow your heads with me. We're going to take the Lord's Supper here in a moment. But I want us to examine ourselves and think about these attributes, the attributes of one who is blessed, and ask ourselves if these attributes mark our lives. If these attributes do not mark our lives, then we need to repent and we need to ask the Lord to forgive us and to produce these things in our lives. So as we, as we pray right now, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, do that. Ask the Lord what areas in which these attributes are not there. And confess that to Him and pray that He would fill you with these attributes, the attributes that we see in Mary. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your love, Lord. God, as we read about Mary's worship and her praise and the way she pours her heart out to You, God, may we do the same thing. Lord, may our faith be so strong that we think of the things that you've promised as though they have already happened. Lord, may we not lose heart. May we not think, well, maybe it's not going to happen. May we not think, maybe the Lord isn't going to do a great thing in me. Lord, you've promised us that you will do it. Lord, I pray that we would submit our lives to you. I'm the first to admit, God, that I hold back from you so often because of fears of money, fears of perception, just a fear of man. God, may may we not do that. May I not do that. May I 
submit myself to your will like Mary did, knowing the consequences, knowing what people around were going to think. Lord, I pray that we would focus on those around us. God, that our prayer life would be more consumed with those around us and with your praise and your glory than with ourselves. How dare we think that we are so important, that we deserve to be blessed, that we somehow have a reason to be blessed outside of you. God, we lift our praise to you today. I pray for the remainder of the service as we, as we take the Lord's Supper, Lord, that you would bless our time, that we would realize the mag magnitude of what it is that we're doing, and that you would prepare our hearts. So God, I pray for each one here. Pray for those that aren't here, that that these things would be manifested in their life as well. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.